Today's reading is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and chapter 4, verse 10. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. This is love, and not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an Antonian sacrifice for our sins. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Sharon here. I'm preaching today from our building. Just a reminder that this space is not the only space where God meets us, and yet it's a special space. So I'm grateful to be here and remind us that soon we can be together to worship in this space. So let me just start with a story. I grew up in a large, loving family, grateful for that. It was a boisterous home with nine siblings coming and going all the time. And yet my parents were very open and welcoming to other people. They extended love in so many ways, some just inviting people from the church to come over for coffee or dinner, sometimes even having people live with us who were in a hard place, extending hospitality in that way. Well, the story of Erna is a lasting one that impacted our whole family. Erna was a German immigrant, a nurse who worked in the area, single woman, And over time, she became more and more frequent in our family gatherings. After she had a significant car accident, my parents, she was unable to care for herself, so she moved in with my grandmother, and my parents continued to do all kinds of things to support her in that season. So Erna became part of our family, an adopted grandmother whom we loved and who loved us in return. I grew up with Erna in my life, so it never seemed unusual to me that she was included in our family. Yes, there were certainly times of challenge and misunderstanding, and looking back now, I marvel, I really do marvel at the love my parents demonstrated in real ways. My mother continued to support her, to continue to visit her, even after my dad's death. And when Erna died, it was my mom, my siblings, our spouses, and our children who had stood there to honor her as part of our family. You know, throughout this month of January, we have been together in a series settling our hearts and minds on the absolute and eternal love of God. We've come back each week to the words of the 14th century anchorite, Julian of Norwich. She experienced powerful witness of God's love 
and wrote it down, her insights in her book, Revelations of Divine Love. A famous saying of hers is, all shall be well, and all things shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. You know, it's always a needed reminder that our true home, our assurance of wellness is found in the love of God. In this series, we've remembered to expect love. We've looked at the sovereign, merciful, and last week, the suffering love of God. And today, we close this series with a picture of family, a family that we're invited into because of the lavish love of God. So as we consider this lavish love this morning, I'm going to address two different questions. How do we see God's love? And then, how do we share God's love? The text that was read for you this morning is from 1 John, a letter written by the Apostle John to members of the early church who lived in the area of what is now modern Turkey. And these believers were facing conflicts in their communities. There was a competing gospel message that was beckoning them, and they were figuring out what it meant in light of that to live in Jesus. So John writes to expose these false ideas of who Jesus was and what it might mean to follow him. So right in the middle of this letter, in chapter 3, as we saw it, he has this incredible insight. Have you ever looked at an incredible scene, maybe the Grand Canyon, a a stunning sunset, a baby smile for the first time, and you just wanted to explain to everyone, look at this, look at this. Well, that's the sense of wonder and amazement that John is expressing in this passage. Do you see? Do you see what God has done, what he's given us? Can you believe that this love has been shown in such a lavish way? It's amazing. We can understand that word lavish, the verb, to mean to give something, to give something in a way that is extremely generous and extravagant. And that's what John is referring to here, this lavish love of God. In fact, this love is so lavish, so extravagant, that God says, you are my children. He names us as part of his family. If you were to look back at the last chapter of, uh, chapter 2 of 1 John, you would see it set in place because John reminds us that we have been born of him, born of God. And the wonder is that we come into this family relationship with God, not by our own doing at all. No, we are invited in born in, or as Paul writes in his letters, adopted into a family through the work of Jesus Christ. So can you see it? Look at it, he says. Do you recognize how incredibly lavish this love and welcome is? You know, we all have different experiences as children of our earthly parents. Some of us have known the security, the tenderness of home and family. And for others, it's been difficult growing up without a sense of being cherished and welcomed over and over again in your parental home. But what John is saying here 
is that our earthly experience pales, whether good or bad, it pales in comparison with the truth that you and I are truly children of God. We have come to our true home when we come to God's love. God heals our past so that we aren't simply called his children in a formal way. We are his children, as John says it. We truly are his children now. Early in the Gospel of John, well, actually, Gospel of John was written after this letter, but John has this theme come up over and over again, and you see it in John chapter 1. Listen to these words. Yet to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God looks at us and he calls us his daughters and his sons. Not just a label. We really are the children of God. So slow down for a minute. Consider this. Hold on to it. We belong to God as his children, not just as his creation, but his children. We're welcomed into his family. God's not ashamed to call me his daughter to identify with me as one of his own family. I belong to him, and so do those who call on his name. You know, the writer of Hebrews says a very similar thing. He describes Jesus' gift of salvation that makes us holy, and he writes it this way in Hebrews 2, 11. Both the one who makes people holy, that is Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus welcomes us to this family. It doesn't matter our background. It matters that we are born of him. You know, my husband, L.A., is is always been good at extending practical love to others. When our kids brought their friends and, and later their new spouses to us, our home, he would go out of his way to make them feel welcomed in our home. He would lavish love on our sons-in-law and our daughter-in-law especially to let them know this was their home too. He'd say, can I make you a latte? How about a dish of ice cream? Can I get one for you? He would often forget to ask his own children of birth if they wanted anything. And it kind of got to be a joke in our family that the newcomers to the family got better treatment than those who were born into our home. Well, in God's family, the welcome is the same for all. The love that's lavished is for all, and he is not ashamed of our past or our present because we are made holy in his family through his sacrifice of love. So it's not just an acknowledgement of something hap that happened when you came to Christ or something that's going to happen in the future. We are God's children now, now, forever objects of his lavish love. You know, God is the source of this love. He's the sustainer of this love. And the privilege we have of being part of his family is made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. John says it this way in 1 John 4.10. 
This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's all been done. Our welcome into the family has been secured by Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus himself made this point about who's in the family when he had some interactions between his followers and his own birth family as he lived on earth. Now, this isn't, wasn't a slam on his brothers or on his mother. It was a recognition that family members who are his are those who belong to God and do his will. He says it this way, Matthew 12, verses 47 to 50. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How incredible are these words from Jesus. He points at those around him who seek to do his will. He points at us and he says, this is my brother Mark. Oh, have you met my sister Julie? Oh, here, here is my mother Jeanette. This is my family. This is lavish love. We see it expressed again in verses 2 and 3 of this chapter in John, where John goes on to point out this hopeful outcome of this recognition. He says, we don't know for sure what the children of God are going to look like, what we're going to look like when Jesus appears again. But we know we're going to be like him. We're going to be welcomed as brothers and sisters into his kingdom. Jesus invites us as children to look like him. What an incredible promise that is. And this hope, this hope, he says, keeps us pure on this pure path of following his will. This is seeing God's love. Can you see it? Can you ponder again at the wonder of it, at least in part? But now that we've seen God's love again, how do we share his love? It's time to get real practical here because we're included in God's family, yet this lavish love of God is available to all. God desires everyone, every person you meet today and in the week to come. He longs for them to be part of his forever family. So it makes me wonder why we are so often stingy hesitant about sharing this love. We don't have exclusive claims on God's love. His invitation, it's open to all. And if you and I, if you who are listening to me today are a child of God, welcomed into his family, do you simply hold on to it as a privilege that is just for you? This last week, I had a great conversation with a young adult who grew up at Pine Lake Covenant. We talked at length about his hopes and even his misgivings about what it would look like to reconnect with the church, the people of God. And he was particularly troubled that so many who claim to follow Jesus are indifferent to the people right around them. And he asked this question, 
People are so receptive to the love of God, he observed, so hungry for it. Why aren't they sharing it? It's true. People are so receptive to this kind of love, and yet we who are the recipients of it often just stop right there. We've experienced welcome, and we don't extend it to others. We aren't attentive to those who really are longing for this kind of good news, to be able to say, as we've said through this series, all shall be well. You know, we can't forget the purposes of God. Peter describes it powerfully, what God's heart is for humanity. He's talk, he talks in this passage from Second Peter about the rea- reliab- reliability of Jesus' return, that someday he's coming back. And Peter makes God's purposes clear. He says it this way. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God does not want anyone to perish, to miss out on life with him. He's persistent. He's patient in his love. He is the good shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep. That is lavish love. So as we come to the end of this series, all shall be well. As we have looked again at the lavish love of God, we can't just hold it to ourselves, my friends. Yes, we've grown in confidence of God's love, and it gives us assurance for what we're facing. All shall be well, we say. But do your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, do they have that same assurance? Could there be an urna in your life in your circle of influence that needs to know and experience the love of God. So we ask that question, how do we share this love with others? Well, let me offer a few suggestions, but first of all, depend on the spirit. The spirit is always at work inviting others into his love. So the spirit will direct you as well. So first of all, let's just remember that God is always at work. He is at work in the people that you encounter, the people that you interact with. He is drawing people to his love. So on the basis of that, the second suggestion is that you listen well to others. Listen to their words and to the words that are underneath the words. Be ready to lend a loving heart as you hear what they are feeling. Thirdly, you may want to be prompted to offer tangible encouragement, tangible love, a card, a text, maybe something dropped off at someone's home, some flowers, a book to share. Uh, During one of our recent Encore gatherings, a person that plays sports with someone else found out that this um, other person was facing a difficult health diagnosis. And although their connection was minimal, this she was attentive to the promptings of the Spirit. And she said, I'll pray for you. And then she went home and through the Spirit's leading, decided to send a card to express that. That's it. Offering, offering tangible encouragement. 
that expresses the love of God to others. And fourthly, another suggestion as you share God's love is to be ready to share your own story, your own journey when it's appropriate. There is nothing like saying, I have received the love of God when I was stuck, when I was broken, when I was hurting. I got encouragement because I knew God loved me. I encourage you, even now as you're hearing this, perhaps someone, someone's face or name has come to mind. This week, this week, share the love of God because, as my young friend said, people are receptive to the love of God. They want to hear it. We just need to be willing and ready to share it. You know, God's love really is beyond comprehension. It's lavish. It's unrelenting. It's undeserved. Julian of Norwich says it this way, For we are so preciously loved by God that we cannot even comprehend it. No created being can ever know how much and how sweetly and how tenderly God loves them. Well, we've gotten a glimpse of it. We've looked at it again in this series. And now we've received the gift to be invited to be members of his family. And it's our calling. It's our privilege to share that love with others. Let me pray for us as we do so. Lord, we give you thanks. We look again at your lavish love and say, how incredible that we would be called members of your family. And Lord, as we recognize and interact with others around us who don't yet know this good news or who might be skeptical about it, give us insight, give us Holy Spirit promptings, give us practical ways that we can share the lavish love of God with others. We are grateful, God, that we're loved in this way and that we have found our home, our family in you. We pray this in thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.